was right after Arab Rosh Hashanah services that I heard the news. I just left the Bima, and the first words that greeted me in the new year were, did you hear the news? Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. Erev Rosh Hashanah. Happy New Year. I wanted to cry and scream and panic all at once. My throat tightened. My breath hitched. Tears pricked my eyes and spilled over. I was heartbroken, and I was furious. I was heartbroken because we had just lost the most incredible woman. Ruth Bader Ginsburg was more than brilliant. She had this way of seeing a path forward of knowing exactly what she needed to do to create more justice, more equality, and more connection in a world that didn't quite know it yet. She wasn't just a loving wife and mother, as so many expected of her and every woman of her generation. She was also an inspired exceptional student, a determined and thoughtful teacher and lawyer, a pioneer of human rights, a clear voice in the murky darkness of Washington's political swamps. Her father fled anti-Semitism in Odessa. Her mother was a first-generation American whose family shared a similar story. And Ruth Bader Ginsburg grew up knowing the consequences of what could be if hatred and discrimination and persecution were allowed to continue unstopped. She channeled her genetic history, her personal history, every slight every uncomfortable moment, every moment in which sexism blocked her path, she channeled all that pain, all those challenges, all those obstacles, and used it like fuel to keep her going, to light her way towards a path of righteousness. With Ruth Bader Ginsburg in the Supreme Court, I always had this sense that everything would turn out okay. That she'd find a way. She had the people connections. She had the wisdom, the know-how. She could do it even when that meant, as it did once, calling out and cajoling other branches of government to right the ill judgment of her peers. She was the notorious RBG. She was our hero. 
In the 70s, she was fighting against systems of discrimination before systems of discrimination was even a thing. She didn't just take cases as they came her way. No, she sought them out. She thought strategically about each case, each story. She arranged them and set them like bricks in her fortress of truth. As she described it once, she felt like a kindergarten teacher educating the all-male Supreme Court of the time who had never known discrimination, who'd never experienced it. She had to carefully teach them to allow them to feel and experience in ways that would open their eyes and enable them to create more justice. She knew strategy. She was clear-sighted and articulate her voice, a clarion call to the potential of our country. She brought us through to where we are today. Because of her, literally because of her, my life exists. Because of her, I can have a credit card in my name. Because of her, I can inherit property. Because of her, I can work without fear of discrimination on the basis of my sex. Because of her, I do not have to choose between building my career and building my family. Because of her, I can teach young girls to reach for the stars and know that they can. She made all these things possible. She lived her life to protect the most vulnerable, to build justice. And yet somehow in her last chapter, she failed to stand up for the people she cared for most. How could such a brilliant strategist fail to see the writing on the wall? Maybe, maybe it was love. As she shared in her Supreme Court confirmation hearing, I have had the great good fortune to share life with a partner truly extraordinary for his generation. A man who believed at age 18 when we met and who believes today that a woman's work, whether at home or on the job, is as important as a man's. Theirs was a romance for the ages. Marty Ginsburg was gregarious and outgoing, funny, and so smart. He doted on her. He loved cooking for her, baking all sorts of treats she could bring in and share with her clerks. When she stayed too long at the office, he would show up in her legal chambers and tell her politely it was time to come home for dinner, sometimes following that up with a gentle grasp of the hand and literally physically drawing her home. 
He was her biggest champion. He knew her brain, her skill, her vision, and he wanted to make sure she had a chance to make her mark. When that Supreme Court seat opened up, there was no one that cheered louder for her than Marty. He called in every contact he knew, every connection, made sure he did everything in his power to grant her an opportunity to apply, to be heard. And nothing brought him greater joy than seeing her installed on the Supreme Court, living her dream, realizing the dream of so many women, creating more equality. Just before Marty Ginsburg died in 2010, he left Ruth Bader Ginsburg the following note. My dearest Ruth, you are the only person I have loved in my life, setting aside a bit parents and kids and their kids. And I have admired and loved you almost since the day we first met at Cornell some 56 years ago. What a treat it has been to watch you progress to the very top of the legal world. I will be in Johns Hopkins Medical Center until Friday, June 25th, I believe. And between then and now, I shall think hard on my remaining health and life and consider on balance. The time has come for me to tough it out or to take leave of life because the loss of quality now simply overwhelms. I hope you will support where I come out, but I understand you may not. I will not love you any less. The day after he died, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was back in her legal chambers. She couldn't bring back the love of her life. She couldn't hear him championing her cause or standing there pulling her home at night, but she could continue to live the life that he had dreamed for her. She could continue to live her life for love, for love of Marty, for love of the law. Maybe it was love that blinded her. Or maybe it was more than that. Maybe she really did think that staying on the Supreme Court was the best thing she could do for the country. It'd be hard to imagine anyone more progressive than she being nominated, and even more hard to imagine someone more progressive than she being appointed to the Supreme Court. And besides, she had energy left to give, work left to do. She had all this experience. She had all these connections. And each year, she got better, wiser, and stronger. And that intuition was affirmed again and again. Her fame, her popularity, her nickname, 
the notorious RBG, that all came in her 80s when she wrote a fiery dissent in Shelby County versus Holder. And then law student Shauna Kisnick created a Tumblr account where she connected and compared Ruth Bader Ginsburg with the rapper, the notorious B.I.G. At the time, Shauna wrote, I was mostly thinking of a catchy nickname and how she was such a powerful force. Here you had this diminutive person, this tiny human, but when you see what she has done over years with such dignity and grace, it represented that. Her fame grew through her 80s. She continued to grow better, wiser, and stronger. Her voice rang more clearly than ever. It seemed like she could do anything. But she was still human. And as a human, she got lost in her loves. She got lost in her ego. And she forgot her strategy. Hers is a cautionary tale. Be empowered. Live your dreams. Speak your truth. But do not think that you and you alone are essential. Do not think that without your work, without your thoughts, without your life, this world will fall apart. No. Instead, be thinking about how you can empower others. Be thinking about how you can be a multiplier, about how you can reinvent yourself in each and every chapter. Don't think about life as becoming your best self. Think about life as transcending yourself. Tomorrow, we ring in Yom Kippur. And once again, we will read the words of the Unatana Tokef. And once again, we will be confounded by the sheep that parade their way through the Maksor. We will read together, V'chol ba'e olam ya'avrun lefanecha kivnei maron kvakarat ro'e edro ma'avir tsono tachat shivto. As a shepherd examines the flock, making each sheep pass under the staff, so you, God, will review and number and count, judging each living being. God, you will see us as sheep. Sheep before your staff. God, you, the shepherd, will see us as sheep. Why sheep? I mean, if you're going to ask me which animal I want to be, I want to be a lion. I want to be a gazelle. I want to be a dynamic animal. I don't want to be a sheep. Sheeps are so boring, so quotidian, always grazing with the flock. Why the sheep? 
their spiritual gold in those sheep. That metaphor has never been more important for us. We sometimes forget we're part of a larger flock. And it's when we start to think that our lives matter so much more than the person next to us, that's when we get in trouble. When I think my life matters so much more than the person next to me, I think it's okay for me to ignore their suffering because I need me time, because I need to put my life together, because I need to do my job, my tasks, take care of my family. I think that I deserve this privilege, that I worked for it, that I created it, that I have it because I am better. I become insensitive. When I think my life matters so much more than the person next to me, I stop regarding their feelings. I think my ideas, my understanding, my comprehension, my reality matters more than theirs. I stop learning. I stop listening. I stop growing. When I think my life matters so much more, when I think my mind is so much more nimble, my grasp of the law so much deeper, when I think my desire to be a judge outweighs the needs of the people for whom I am judging. I fail to pass the torch. Instead, throw the country into turmoil when I die. But when I think like a sheep, I remember, I am one of a holy flock. When I think like a sheep, I remember there is strength in numbers, that our values grow richer, deeper, stronger together. When I think like a sheep, I remember my redemption is tied up in yours. When I think like a sheep, I remember there are greater forces shaping this universe, that I have to have humility and put my trust in a higher power that will protect the ones I love, that will protect me. When I think like a sheep, I remember. I remember that this project is not about me. It's about all of us. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I loved you. We all loved you. You were our hero. We are so grateful for all of the holy work you did in the land of the living. The world is a better place because you were a part of it. And because tomorrow is Yom Kippur, I'm going to try to get over my anger with you. I'm going to try to set aside the betrayal that I feel. And I'm going to ask God. I'm going to ask God to bless us to be your living legacy. 
God, please give us Ruth Bader Ginsburg's clear vision, her capacious mind, her articulate speech, her inner moral compass. God, bless us that we should have such impact. Let us not be arrogant sheep. Let's make sure that Ruth Bader Ginsburg did not live in vain. Shabbat Shalom. <laughs>